0: Our text is in Luke chapter 5. As a matter of fact, I have about three or four different passages from the book of Luke I'm going to read. So get to chapter 5 first. Get to chapter 5 first, and then we'll start from there. I've titled the sermon, Jesus Said It. And we're going to see what he was talking about in today's message. I might share this story with you. A honeymoon couple was at the Watergate Hotel in washington d c, the new bride was very concerned, and she says, What if this place is still bugged? The guy thought, Oh i never thought of that so man he he started looking I mean he looked behind pictures, drapes uh, under the dressers, and all that finally. He lifted up a carpet on the floor, and there it was, a round dish-shaped plate with four screws in it. He had an Army Swiss knife there, unscrewed that thing, got it out, took that plate and the screws, and threw them out the window there to Watergate Hotel. Next morning, they're downstairs, and they weren't checking out, but uh, hotel manager is there, and he says, how was your room? Oh, he said, great, we loved it. How was the service? fine well well, how's your stay and and boy he just kept asking questions so finally you know he's he's just wondering why all these questions he says sir why are you asking me all these questions he said well the room underneath yours complained of a chandelier falling on them <laughs> sometimes you know uh people say things you know and and they believe that it's Oh, that's it. Somebody said that, you know, and that's a a fact. But you check into it, you find out some of those things aren't really facts, okay? And so that's what the Word of God is here for us to show us what is true and what is not true. And one of those things that we're going to see is in our text today is the word repentance. What is that about? Well, we're going to check on that here in just a moment. Uh, First of all, Luke chapter 5, verse 32. And all these verses now that I'm going to share with you for our text, it's Jesus Christ speaking. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then we go to chapter 13 and verse 3 and verse 5. And Luke chapter 13, verse 3, it says this. I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish skip a verse, go to verse 5, and again Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now let's go to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at verse 7 and verse 10 in Luke chapter 15. There he says, I say unto you, That likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, why would he say that? Because the people in heaven are going to be very happy that perhaps a loved one of theirs has made that decision to receive Christ. They're not going to hell. They're going to be in heaven. Look at verse 10. Likewise, I'm saying to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, by the way, let me just say something that I believe. The Bible tells us that the angels uh, look into these things about salvation and they don't completely grasp it all. So, when he says there are joy, there's joy in the presence of the angels, I believe he's talking about people that have been saved that are there with the Lord right now in his presence. I believe that those people that have unsaved loved ones are in the presence of the Lord praying for those unsaved loved ones that are still alive. And every time one gets saved, I believe they know, they find out, and boy, they're praising God. And so, I tell you what. Uh, you got a. If you're not sure if you died today, that heaven's your home. But you know you've got a, uh, a parent or a friend that is with the Lord. Probably right now they're praying for you, that you might hear this word and repent and believe the gospel. So just think of how precious that is. Now one more passage, and that's in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. It's verses 46 and 47. And again, these are the very words of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission, remission means forgiveness, remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, shall we have a word of prayer? Father, I pray as we look into Your Word this morning, You'll make it clear. I ask that Thy Holy Ghost be the one that takes it home to every heart under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that You'd be that power in my voice, but the power that also gives understanding to each heart in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And of course the title of this sermon, as I've already said, is that Jesus said it. And having read those verses, we see that Jesus is talking about repentance. There are people who say that the word repent does not apply to the unsaved. It's only to saved people that that applies. Now believe me, I've heard scholared well educated men with doctors behind their name in Bible that have said that. And they say it's it, it's uh, not for the unsaved, it is for saved people in this idea of repentance. So, again, let's just quickly look at that. I came not, the first one, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Uh, when we're saved, we are made Righteous. So, who goes to heaven? The righteous. So, who's he calling to repentance? Sinners. That's what he said. Luke chapter 13, verse 3, verse 5. He says, I say nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, again, do God Saved people, do righteous people perish and go to hell? Because perish is speaking of the eternal abyss of hell. Is that where they go? No. The saved go to be with the Lord Jesus. So again, it's hard for me to say that Jesus is talking to saved people about they need to repent. In order to go to heaven if they're already saved and on their way to heaven. Okay, now I said something already about the Luke 15 passage, so the Luke chapter 24 passage, we, we look at that. Jesus is calling his disciples to go into all nations and to preach the gospel to every creature, and he says to preach repentance and remission or forgiveness of sins. Is that to saved or unsaved? Why would you send them to all the world to preach to the saved and need to repent? Now, saved people do sin, and saved people need to repent. But, this is for those without Jesus Christ. That's what the Great Commission is about. We've got two sets of missionaries here today from BIMI. That's what they know the Great Commission is about. And so, they take the gospel to to different places. In order for people to hear the gospel, that they might be saved, they don't go to different places looking for saved people to say, you need to hear that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead the third day, and you need to repent. They already know that, okay? So that's not what it is. Now again, these are the very words of Jesus Christ in regard to repentance. So let's consider what biblical uh, repentance is all about. First, we see two things that repentance is not. Repentance, it is not a changed life in order to be saved. Okay, I heard that, well man, I got to do this, I got to do that, if I do this, and do that. And they got to change your lives in order for Christ to receive them. No, it's not a changed life in order to be saved. Now, God does the saving, but God also does the life changing. So many have, have for an example, alcoholics have gotten saved, and, 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 and before that they said, you know what, I tried to quit, I tried to quit, never could. The Lord took it from me once I received Him. And we can say that about so many things, how the Lord took it from them. But it did not happen when they tried it in their own strength, the Lord had to take it from them. And that's the way it works. We See, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it states that Jesus Christ bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Now, when he did that, that was 2,000 years ago. I had not sinned one time yet. Okay, not one time yet. I was born right after that. But I had not sinned at, by that point. But he died for every sin I ever would commit. And as I've told you many times, uh, if I commit just three sins a day all my life, right now I'm at 69,000 sins. Is that a sinner? Actually, that's very conservative speaking. It's much more than that. Because we do more than three sins a day. All right. So again, we are sinners. And Christ died for those sins, and he bore our sins on his body on the tree. First John chapter 2 and, and verse 2. He said, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So for how many? Did Jesus, the propitiation, the entire payment? That's what that means. The entire payment, the word prop- propitiation. So how much of the world did Jesus pay the penalty for their sin. The whole world. That's what he says. The whole world. It's not limited atonement. He's willing to pay for all sin for all time. A few years ago I was actually able to provide for five different people to go to Israel and we took one of our trips over there. And and. They were, it they, they was provided. I mean, it would be food, it would be the hotel, it would be the flights, it would be the all the sites, everything that we do. So it was all provided. All they had to do was go. Those five couldn't go. At the last time, minute things came up, they could not go. Now, it was provided for them. They had an opportunity to go. They, they wanted to go, but they did not go. Once we took off, it was too late for them to go. It was just simply too late. Although the price, everything else had been paid, it was now too late. Everything was taken care of, but now it's too late. One second after death, it is too late to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, even though he's already paid the price. You see, our part is not to pay the price. Our part is to receive him as our Lord and Savior. And so Jesus Christ, he paid for the salvation of our soul, but we have to accept it. So a changed life is not required in order to be saved, but after one is saved, we need to allow Jesus Christ to work that change in us. He must work in you, as a matter of fact, before he can work through you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That leads to a second thing that repentance is not. It's not what they call lordship salvation. A few years ago, John MacArthur wrote a book on lordship salvation. And the basic crux of it, as I was reading through it, and I did not read the entire book, but I read enough to know what his basic thoughts were, and it was this. You got saved, you say, you messed up, you fell into some wicked, evil sin, then you probably weren't really saved to begin with. And so a lot of people were getting re-saved because, oh, I messed up, oh, I did this, oh, I did that. You know, and, and so they said, well, I'm not saved. And so, as I read that and I thought about that, I said, you know, I do believe in repentance, and he didn't mention repentance. But he was saying, evidently, you didn't really repent, or you would have never done that sin, is the idea that was behind it. But you see, the change that comes about comes about as we act upon it. In Israel, one of my guides... uh, he was sharing with us Isaiah chapter 53, as well as Psalms 22. And, and, and the guide, a Jewish man, not a saved man, but a Jewish man said, Psalms 22 written 1000 years before Christ, uh, before Christ was actually crucified. Isaiah 53 again about the cross, 700 years before Christ was crucified. Both of those passages about the cross, he said, they are definitely referring to Jesus Christ. And that there were things described in in Psalms chapter 22 that were not even thought of in in that day when it was written. It had to be Jesus Christ. Yet he was not saved. He said, well, how is that? Because he could not believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He could not accept that. So even though he had a knowledge that said, I believe that that's Jesus, he did not receive it. See, you can believe the stories that a lot of people in America now, 40 years ago, a lot of people believed that Jesus uh, died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. They just didn't do anything with it. They didn't receive it. They didn't come to him. And you see, that's the difference. That's the difference. You act upon What you believe. His mind, that Jewish God, just did not act on what the Bible said about the cross, dying for him and raising from the dead. Uh, You see, in repentance, a repentance means to change the mind. A change of mind But so often, that's all men say about it that says, well, a change of mind. That's what it is, a change of mind. And it is, but it's also something that we've changed our mind about something. And so we act upon that change. He changed his mind about God, about sin, about Christ and the Bible. And a person doesn't do that, they're not saved. The Lord says, Jesus said again in John 1, 12, but as many as, John said, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Okay. That is God's word. That is God's word on the subject. Uh, in marriage, the young lady dated. She had three or four guys in her dating time that she went steady with for a while. Then it broke off. And then and, and, and finally she comes and she finds the, this really handsome, good-looking guy, kind of like myself. And, um, but she finds this guy, and he's the one. He's the one, and, and she falls in love with him, and he loves her. And he asks her to marry him. And she says, I will. Now, the other guys she dated might have been nice guys. They may have been all right. But that wasn't the one. See, there's a lot of people with good works that we like, but they're not saved. You see, only Jesus Christ can save. Our good works will never save us. Only Jesus Christ can save. So we come to him for our salvation. So, she makes a commitment. Now, they can talk about marriage, but it's not until that day that whether it's in a church or wherever that they actually make that commitment and they legally seal it, that it is a marriage. Even though they've talked about it. But once they get married, that young lady, she may be a great wife. She may be average. She may be a bad wife but they're still married. Okay, they're still married. The Bible lets us know that in the position of salvation, now he's not talking about gender, (laughs) get that out of your mind, not talking about gender, but talking about in our salvation, because marriage pictures what salvation is supposed to be. We have the part of the bride. We are to be in subjection to Jesus Christ. We're giving him our heart and life. He is the head. He is the Lord. He is the God. He is the Savior. So he pays the penalty for us. He pays our price. He raises from the dead. He provides for us a home in heaven. So we commit to him. Some Christians are very good Christians. They'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Some will be saved so as by fire and ashamed at his appearing. But there was that day that that young lady repented and says, I don't want to marry any of those other guys. This is the one I want. and she gave her life to him. And my friend, that's what you're doing when you come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus made promises to us, and those promises include that he'd give us eternal life when we turn to him with our heart and life, when we we call upon him to save our souls, and he promises that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Therefore, since it is eternal life. There will never be a death of my spirit. That is, my spirit will, from the point I receive him, cease to be separated from God. It will always be with God. Again, the word death doesn't mean ceasing to exist, it means separation. You're born separated from God, you need a Savior. Once you receive him, then your spirit is one with him. Only the body dies, but we weren't created in the image of a body. We were created in the image of God who is a spirit. That is the image in which we were created. Lordship, salvation people. Uh, they, they believe that one makes Christ the Lord of their life. If they messed up immorality or something of that nature, something we call bad sin, then they were never saved to begin with. Now, they forget about King David. David killed. He committed adultery. I mean, those things are terrible. Uh, The Calvinistic doctrine says, the perseverance of the saints. We don't persevere, folks. We don't persevere. We don't keep our salvation. So they say, if you messed up, Obviously, you were never saved. In other words, that places eternal security in our hands, not the Lord's. And that is impossible. That is wrong. I can't keep my salvation. Jesus is the keeper of my soul. Now, to think that one will never struggle with sin, to think that one will never have a habitual sin, let's just talk about some things. People say, well, you get saved, you will not sin habitually, okay? The Bible talks about overeating and likens it to drunkenness. Now, we don't, but we're not the judge. God is, but that's what he likens it to. Is drunkenness a good thing? <laughs> no. So, in God's sight, overeating is on that same level. Now, do we, do we uh, enjoy that preaching? I don't. Uh I don't know about you, but that is the truth. And that is a habitual sin with some. Others it can be other things. Cussing, tobacco, lustful thoughts, gossip, slander, debate, which the Bible says the debate, the arguing kind of a thing. He said that, that was a sin in God's sight. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter one says he gave gave them up. We always just say that's homosexuality. No, it's not. It lists a whole lot of sins, and some of these are the things that are in there. And they're habitual in people's lives, so evidently they're not saved if they're going to be true to what they say they believe. Jesus saves, Jesus keeps. We're not saved so as to say that we'll never sin, but it is possible to live this life and to be saved so as by fire and ashamed at his appearing. You see, there is such a thing as what we call a carnal Christian. Others will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Which will it be for you? Now, since this is what repentance is not, let's see what repentance is uh, here. It is a new birth. That is, we get a new nature. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all born sinners, okay? And that old nature that we have, when we get saved, does not leave us. We will not get, a new, we will not get rid of that old nature until we get to heaven. Therefore, we'll always have a battle going on inside us between the new nature and the old nature. Again, we were made in God's image. God is a spirit. Death is to be separated from God. The spirit lives in heaven or hell, depending on whether you die with Christ or without Christ. When you get saved, the old nature doesn't get cleaned up. God gives you a new nature. Again, your spirit is not a physical body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, there's a spiritual body and there's a natural body, this physical body. Everybody that's died in Christ, be it the Lord. Right now, they're in a spiritual body. Now... They don't have the body that's likened to Christ yet. That's going to happen at the rapture when all are changed. The dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive remain until the coming of the Lord uh, shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be meet the Lord. But we'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At that change, then we'll have a body that's fashioned likened to his glorious body. Right now they're in a spiritual body. You say, what's that spiritual body like? I have no idea. I haven't seen one, and if I did, I'd probably be the first one out the door. So, I've not seen one. Now, God created us in His image. He is a spirit. He has a free will. That that spirit can decide to do something or not do something. Because we have a spirit, a free will, because we are made in God's image... We can decide when we hear the gospel preached to accept it or to reject it. You can decide to put it off until later. If you put it off till later, that's the same as rejecting it because the day will come when it will be too late. So what I'm saying is, is that when you come to Jesus Christ, you're coming to trust him with your heart and life and, and you respond and your spirit either receives his salvation or it doesn't. You're, you know, in your own spirit. I've heard people say, well, you know, I've seen a dead body. I've talked to that body, but it never did respond. Your body's not a spirit. It has a spirit in it. Uh, if I use their definition, they say it's a dead spirit, then I can't love anybody. I can't hate anybody because my spirit is dead. I can't be happy because my spirit is dead. See, it doesn't make sense when you really look at it through the eyes of the Word of God. So again, you have a free will. You either accept it or you reject it. My job is not, I'm a failure if I give you the gospel and you don't get saved. My job is to give you the gospel. You become the failure if you reject it. And it's that simple. Remember, Jesus telling the people in John six, "My body is flesh. My, my, my body is bread indeed, and, and my blood is drink indeed." And and they said, "That's weird, man. <laughs> he wants to eat his body and drink his blood." But in verse sixty three, he straightens it out. My words are spirit. And that should have helped them to understand the difference between physical and spiritual. In Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul says, and look, this is a great missionary. This is one of the great men that we talk about of great men of God. He says, the good I do, I end up not doing it. And the bad I wouldn't do, I end up doing it. Oh, wretched man I am. But with the Spirit, he served God. You see, you've got to decide which side of the great divider you're going to stand on and stand on that uh, side. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, it says it this way. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's addressed to Christians. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. In other words, it wars against it, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So yes, in Christ, I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But that old nature is still there fighting me all the way. If I meditate in God's Word, and I think on God's Word, I have Victory. If I act upon God's word, but if I just read it and do nothing with it, I'm going to lose. I've got to read it, got to meditate on it, and I've got to act upon it. That's why when you're one of his, the Bible says the Lord chastens those that are his own, means you get rebuked, you get reproved. He says he chastens and scourges. You know the word scourge means to, to flog with the whip. And and there are Christians that a lot of us don't want to give our testimony to say about the times that God had to flog us with the whip. But most of us could say that. For the Lord to get our attention. Now, he says, but if you're without that kind of a thing, you're living in sin and you're without that, that's because you're not one of his. You never were one of his. I never knew you. Repentance also leads to regeneration, and that is God's work. A man cannot work up regeneration. He cannot work for regeneration, nor can man keep regeneration. God does it all. God gives a new nature. By faith, we receive it. There are those that teach, well, you're regenerated first, and then you can be saved. That eliminates faith. Look, my faith one day is going to be eliminated when I see Christ. I won't have to be faith any longer. But you don't get saved until it's by grace through faith. God's grace through faith in him. This idea you're regenerated first, that is uh, straight, 100% from hell that originated in the Catholic Church and went on to the Calvinists from there. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, and the spirit, that's the spirit of God, and the bride, that's the saved, say come, and let him that hears say come, and let him that is athirst thirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. In First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Those are God's words. They're his promises. How many times does God have to say all men, whosoever, the whole world, how many times does he have to say that for us to believe it or for it to be true? I believe only once. In John 17:23, the Lord said, I in them and they in me. He makes his abode in us. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31. Now let's think about this. Is God unreasonable? I mean, if God said, Andy, pick up that chair. If I can't pick it up, then why would God tell me to pick it up? Now, if he's going to strengthen me to pick it up, that's another thing. But if I can't pick it up and I come over here and I'm trying and everything, I fail. Even though God said, pick it up. What's that all about? Well, God's not going to command me to do something. Take that chair and carry it outside. And I can't do it. He's not sitting up there laughing. Look at that dummy. Old weakling. No, he's not saying that. But it does show me I can't pick it up. But he commanded me to do it. And I can't obey that command. Acts 17.30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Does God command men to do something that they would not be able to do? He commands all men everywhere to repent because he is appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Boy, That's salvation. Died for us, was buried, and rose from the dead. Our way of eternal life is through Jesus Christ. But our responsibility is repent, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance towards God, all sin is against God, and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, believing what he has done for us pays our penalty. That's what it's about. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind towards God to no longer walk in rebellion against God. It is a life of turning from self-will to a life of of submissiveness. And we fail daily in that. I know we do. But my friend, he said, as many, does God lie? No. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Repent, you're changing your mind. I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't work my way to heaven. I can't die, be buried, raise myself up, give myself a new body, and ascend into heaven. I can't do that myself. I have to have a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. If you're depending on your good works, you're depending on the many nice things that you've done for others, your charitable giving or whatever else, that's not going to get you to heaven. You'll just go to hell, having given away a lot of money. You'll go to hell having done a lot of works. Let me close with these other words with Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. You know what? Jesus doesn't dispute it. He doesn't dispute that they did many wonderful works, that they prophesied in his name. He, uh, he doesn't do any of that, of casting out devils. He doesn't dispute. But then he does, says this in the next verse. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, not I used to know you. No, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, all those works they thought would get them to heaven. Mm-mm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, no man, no man comes unto the Father but by me. That is by Jesus Christ. Oh, I hope that you'll come to him if you're not saved today. Let's bow our heads.